You're listening to Season 2 of NFT 365. Talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and... What the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365. Powered by the ADHD coin, here's your host and digital futurist, Brian Fanzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. We are into season number two, and I brought on one of our most popular guests of season number one, an episode that I know a lot of people really enjoyed uh, in season number one, where we talked all about uh, conversation marketing. We talked about importance of live content uh, and even talked a little bit of, you know, startup business growth. Uh, but, you know, excited to bring uh, my good friend, uh, not only a good friend in Web3, we get to travel, spend some time together in London, uh, along with his uh, better half, definitely a better half uh, part of that uh, <laughs> equation. But uh, Gregarious, thanks for joining me as a co-host today, and we're going to have a little fun conversation. Always a pleasure, my friend. Great to be here. Happy New Year to, to you and everyone. Happy it's New first Year to you as well. We text all the time, but we've never actually talked this year. So. Yeah, yeah, we haven't talked this year, right? And I, and I don't, I, I double down on the dad jokes of every time my daughters do anything. Like she texted me today, and I was like, "You haven't texted me since last year." And my daughter just writes, "Ugh," back as uh, you know. It's, but hey, I, I don't mind. I'm gonna soak yeah. this up. That's um, right. But you know, you know, 2022. You know, both of us were. We started the a lot of the same journey, right? We had a, a creator coin on Rally both building kind of uh, on Web3, around Web3, uh, you know, content creators looking at this space as NFT collectors, uh, NFT uh, founders, and even kind of figuring out, um, you know, what plays in this space. And we've been in the space as a whole, digital, longer than probably a lot of people that are hosting shows in Web3. Like you and I have been in this game for a, a long while but yep. uh, that doesn't mean that we weren't surprised by um, 2022 or weren't, um, I, I hate to say disappointed, right? But it was like, it was a weird year. What's your take on what we ended 2022 on and kind of where the state of like all of this is at the moment? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, <clears throat> now, I, I got to say, like, it's hard to sometimes separate the bias of being present amongst a lot of Web3 people. You know, like we were... We were in London in November. We were in uh, Miami in, in in December. You know, when you kind of get in sort of those enclaves, it can feel like really positive and like there's a lot of building and and people are still in it. I think you know ultimately though, if I temper that with like what you still see when you look out the window, um, you know, I think like we're we're sort of like it feels to me like we're transitioning to some degree, right? Between. Uh, let's call it generation one of the NFT ecosystem universe, maybe generation two, even right. Like gen one, maybe like the, you know, the, the cats and the, uh, the, the dogs and the, you know, the, uh, the yeah. apes and stuff, right. Like way back when gen two is that like bull run, like a lot of stuff that came up in that bull run, which is kind of where we're at the end of. And I feel super optimistic right now because I think the next generation seems to be around like practical uses of NFTs emerging uh, across the ecosystem, right? Like, so I feel like more people are evaluating utility um, and like applications of utility, right? Across like their communities or their ecosystem. Um, I feel like 
other organizations and other individuals are trying to say, like, how do we start to like represent engagement better, interaction better, transactions better, uh, which has always been like kind of on the, the premise, like, hey, there's this powerful idea of like receipts, et cetera, but like we haven't really manifested it per se. Um, and I think the third part is sort of like this movement, you know, we got the transactional layer, we got sort of this like inter- like rewards layer. And then I think there's just sort of like this marketing layer now that's also becoming part of it, right? So I think like, mm. like what we previously knew as like that second gen of NFTs to me feels like the marketing layer now of like the next generation of the NFT ecosystem, right? So you use those as a way to prospect new people into an ecosystem, but the other two transactional and sort of rewards are used really for your your customer base and the bottom of the funnel. Yeah, you know, I think that I, mean, I, th- I think that's an interesting. You know, I love that you're optimistic, and uh, you know, I think part of that optimism also is based on you know there were certain things that were were habits and 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 behaviors in web in Web three that they weren't going to work for long term business. I don't care Web one, Web two, Web three, right? But we also know that a lot of that is exists in every early adoption phase that has ever mm-hmm. existed, right? Like there's there's elements of this. I was pondering an interesting question earlier today uh, to myself, right? Just sitting around like, and, and I'm curious what your take is like, if there, if there's a project right now that has been building that has innovative utility, like something of value, great art, and, you know, has an understanding of the space. Is there enough liquidity that is looking for true, what we both are optimistic about at the moment? Or is that liquidity still like we still have to kind of bring back some liquidity to, to, that are going to value that? Because, I mean, let's face it. I mean, you were a potatoes holder. Uh, you know, we have, you know, the the trial of, of Jimmy the monkey or whatever is still very um, it has like almost like a different feel than what we kind of value. So I'm curious your thought on is there enough liquidity for a quality, innovative project to be successful right now or is it in a kind of a weird limbo at the yeah no i so i think there's there's obviously liquidity challenges right and like you know all the scandals don't help by you know decimating you know big piles of money right um but i think what we just have to re- really do is reset the expectation about lo- what liquidity looks like right like so if yeah. our mindset is really that you know these massive returns where you're going to milk you know multi seven figure deals in one day minting out that's, that's just done. Right. Like, um, you know, maybe, maybe captains today did it. I didn't even look, um, right. Like, you know, it's like maybe which, a 10,000, which, which is also a set, an example, right. Neither of us looked. That's yeah. an example. I, well, I didn't look because I saw my potato. I'm like, I don't even know anymore. Right? So, but, but I do think like, I think like if we reset it to like realistic expectations, right. Like then it's just becomes like, how does a normal business make money? Right. Like, like big enterprise deals take like a year to close, right? Mid-market deals take 30, 90, you know, maybe sometimes six months to close, right? And and that's by the way, like in the in the business world, that would be like a fifty thousand, sixty thousand dollar a year deal, right? right? So if we start to like just mature our thinking, I guess, around like what the value is, right? Then I think like there's plenty of liquidity, relatively speaking, right? Like, but it's on a smaller end, right? So I think the number of transactions can can be pretty consistent, right? Like, however, the value, total value may be smaller. But I think the more important part is not the liquidity from the existing pool, but it's really about how do we bring more people into the fold, right? Um, and right. I think it's just really the net new dollars 
that we have to focus on uh, as we bring in more and more folks, right? So like, give you an example, Starbucks is doing rewards, but you know what they're selling? Fiat-based coffee, right? <laughs> and so you're really earning rewards $5 at a time, right? Now that's like what? 0.0001 ETH, right? And yep. like, if you start to like, just reimagine like what other folks are doing, right? Like in, and normalize it back to like a traditional business model. I don't think like we're, we're so screwed. Like most people think, I think we're screwed from the good times, but you know, those times were not real or normal anyway. Right. Like right. it was just like, you know, full of, you know, a, a bunch of zealots really driving, you know, everything up. And, and honestly, a lot of it was just Ponzi schemes for, for folks to sort of generate liquidity from others. You know, I, I think the I think the the reset of expectations actually has to happen on both sides, right? The founders that launch a projects and those that are evaluating and collecting and investing in projects, right? And I think, without a doubt, yeah, I think that's probably the hardest part. Is like people are like, oh yeah, people can't expect to sell out overnight. Well, we also when we see a project not sell out, we can't label that as a failure or a rug pull or like, 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 for example, you never sell out. Right. Like, right. And guess what? You know, no one judges you by, like by that one way or the other, right? Like you either sustainable and you have to build a business around it. So I think the real reset on the, on the, the, the web three side of this equation is ultimately the founder side is think like a business. Now don't, don't be uh, optimistic about all these things firing, right. Right. Like you just have to like reset your expectation. Pretend that let's pretend there's like zero dollars coming from the mint. Right. Uh, or break even on the mint. And then now the question is, what were you planning to do with it? Uh, that's, I mean, that's a good way. Of, I mean, that's like really. And the funny thing is, if you go back and listen to like podcast episodes that we did around Goblin Town's free mint. Right. We talked a lot about the way that they built that out with the idea that they weren't going to make anything uh, off of that. And they weren't even planning on making anything on secondary, right? Initially that was like their CCO plan. Um, yep. That's actually a really valid point. And I think the other piece, you know, that I'm really curious, you know, like, you know, you, you're not all the, the co-founder of, of zealous that not only is, is helping kind of shift the, the narrative of how we create live capture, live content, how we turn, content into much more conversational content. But I think there's also a bigger narrative around, like you mentioned, like reaching, you know, bringing new money in. But I also think like we have to, re we have to re-examine every aspect of content community and conversations in this space, right? Like, like as much as I love seeing a thousand people and there were 7,000 people in a Twitter space earlier today, but they were talking about some kind of nonsense. Right. And I was like, I like, I clicked in and I was like, I do not care about whatever this nonsense is. But the funny thing about it was, you know, even if it's 7,000, you know, people in web three, we're still playing with such small numbers they're like, what's your take? Because I know you, you, you know, you've not only built businesses, sold businesses, raised uh, funds, but I think there's something about like, you know, uh, the Logan Paul story that came out, right. Where people are accusing him of, of, of rug pulling and he jumped in his discord, posted twice. And all of a sudden, you know, they had a flood of activity and, and he was like, Oh, it's that easy. And like, but there's, there's almost the flip of, like if a project's not making money off the mint and we say not making money, but not planning it to make that money, or that's the, the money of future business, um, you know, revenue stream. We have to like rethink like marketing position, communication position, because it is pretty sad right now that like discord isn't very active yet. Have we seen many projects figure out how to communicate with their communities 
not like most of them just like when you were on the show last time, we talked about discord just became the de facto way that you communicated. If you don't like discord, you're just going to miss the communication. Well, yeah. now there's not really even many people in discords yet. We're still using it as the de facto. Like, right. it's, it's, like we're, So where do you look at that? Cause like we as business owners, as we have to look at this and say, you know, as anyone that's investing, how are you going to communicate with your existing uh, audience and your future audience. And I don't believe a lot of projects have that answered at all. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think, um, so we're, we have to move from like a, a grinding mindset to a marketing mindset, right? Right. Um, or a hype well, that's cycle. A, that's, to like that's, a a good title. that's a good title for this one. <laughs> right yeah. there, I like that one. <laughs> but you know, I think like, you know, mo, you know, we, I think I re, we researchers, I have a long thread is pinned to my Twitter profile. Basically it's like, it's about how the communities are broken. Uh, especially in Web3, right? And, you know, fundamentally, it's like funny, like I just got Gina's book uh, just arrived here, um, nice. you know, uh, on like designing a community to change your life, right? And, you know, I think the the interesting thing is in the previous world, you know, we've talked about this in the past, like our interests weren't aligned, right? Like because of this highly speculative nature, we talked about this with our coins. It also was very true for NFT project. You can't put people like say the Congress that have diverse, like opposite polar opposite sort of like, you know, aspirations and basically expect things to happen. Right. right. It's like dysfunctional by design. Right. And so if you have a bunch of people inside of a community that are only there for the economic gains or financial wins, right. Well then they don't give a crap about any of the other stuff that's being said or done. Right. And I think on the flip side, you have these people who are like, I'm here for the cause, but like, there's so much noise around it that like, I'm not even going to, I can't find it. You know, there, there's not enough signal in the, all the noise that's going on. And so they either end up getting frustrated. They feel like they've been let down by the project or eventually they just like surrender to like, you know, the the overwhelm of it all. Right. So I think like to, to your point, communication strategy, like marketing strategy, traditional business tools, the ways we thought about people, these things are critical for a business of any kind. And I, you, you just have to start, stop calling it a project. Stop calling it, you know, uh, an NFT, start calling it a business, right? And then all of these other things become, they don't become so, you know, aberrant, right, to imagine, right? right? Like, it's not just tweeting for hype, it's tweeting for value. It's to demonstrate the value you're creating. It's to illustrate how your your members and customers are successful. It's to educate and uplift the people in your, you know, in your customer base. It's to discover best practices. When you look at all the things that a community should be communicating outwards to its members. Most projects are still announcements, right? Like they're not really anything except for the next action item, right? right. And as it's we know, upon, you right? know it's, it's, in the yeah. B2B world, right? Like that doesn't work. Like I, you don't just get to randomly give like customers new to-dos, right? Or prospects new to-dos and, and expect them to just stick around, right? Like, so I think like, what we don't see is a very sophisticated or evolved ecosystem around these projects. And the model for that, sadly, for most of the folks who are like maxis, is to actually emulate what worked well in the past, right? I'll give you a, a simple anecdote of like why this is so problematic. Like you mentioned, Discord is out the window. Even worse, you only have wallet addresses. There is no communication layer. There is no messaging layer, right? Like, um, there is minimal effort to attach identities or communication or contact methods to wallets, right? And so as a result, if you're trying to do anything, the hardest thing in the world is to hold a whole bunch of plates spinning at the same time, 
which is what the model that we're using today, right? Because we literally have to have you all so actively engaged that you don't miss anything. Otherwise, basically you miss everything. And that's like a yeah. really crap binary to be in. No, that's a real, I mean, that's a really valid point. I think the other part of that in like the model, and actually I'm curious, like what's your take on those that are building from the subscription model into this space? Like, cause like the subscription model, I'm not sure. Cause like the subscription model, just people pay and it shows up every. Oh, boss model. Okay. Yeah. Look, that business has been, is has taken a lot of hits as well. Right. Uh, in recent times. Right. So like a lot of those box models and the, you know, the, um, have failed or, you know, these, um, direct to consumer brands like are also like struggling to some degree, largely by the influx of massive amounts of too much supply, right? Like there's like a hundred different suppliers of that stuff. So I don't think, here's the thing. I'll give you a good anecdote for when I was at clout, right? I always thought like one of the best things we did at clout was when we did delivered these really premium experiences to our users. Right. Um, and honestly, I think like as it grew, it became harder to do that. And so they became like more, not automated, but they became um, like more procedural, right? Like, you know, it's like, you know, you based on a number of criteria, you might qualify for something, right? And I think that's the, that's the balancing act that we're trying to, bal- to fit, figure out here, right? I think if you're, if you're building a project and it's a subscription and you're going to drop a bunch of interesting things every month, you can absolutely do a good job but you have to choose to do a good job, right? Like you can also just dial it in and send me a box of dog shit like every month. And eventually I'm just going to be like, why am I here for this? Right? Um, so I, I think like no model is perfectly good or bad, right? Like it has to match the audience, right? Like for example, if you're doing a subscription box and it's for people with kids, well, great. Guess what? Kids proclivities change like every 15 minutes, right? Like you could probably get away with it, right? Like, if it's for new foods or like, but you have to bring that newness to it and that relevancy. And I think what most folks underestimate is how hard it is to curate a really great experience, right? Like for a really large set of people all at the same time, because everyone's a little different. And so like the, the more homogeneous the, the deliverable becomes, the like sort of like more like. So, I mean, I think you're right. Not only on you know, you can keep delivering something because I think the, the you know, part of that subscription model that I think we all know is that like they were banking on people either forgetting to cancel or making the cancel process too hard or, you know, let's face it. I mean, we got sold, you know, we're going to move to streaming platforms so you don't have to pay for all these channels that you don't use. And and now we have 25 streaming services that cost us $9.99 a month that, you know, it right. goes up every month. Um, you know, I, I do think that there's an interesting notion or like lesson here for let's flip our heads from like the founders of projects to like investors collectors right like what are the what are the projects that like if we if we put our if we i mean you this is where you live a lot right like if you put your like true investor hat on from like what people care about investing in in this space what are the things or what are like the either product service experiences that you think are going to stand kind of the test of time as an investor, you can be like, hey, I know my money is going to be good there over time. Is there is there ones that kind of jump out at you? Hmm. Like, uh, yeah. Um, so I think, you know, I, look, I, obviously I'm a little biased, but I, I think um, two of the areas that I know Zealous works in, for example, I think are emergent areas uh, right now, right? Uh, and you don't need to use Zealous to do these things. People do, don't do them with Zealous at all. But 
I think, um, for example, the live, this sort of hybrid recorded live experience is, I think, growing in utility, right? So I think like Clubhouse has faded, obviously, to some degree. Twitter space is a little uncertain. But, you know, what I found interesting about, for example, just in this area is how engaging it is and how much people really enjoy it, mm. right? I saw, um, you know, Fallon has a uh, fireside. I saw she shared a story just the other day, like where someone was saying, like, I find myself listening more on fireside because being part of the, uh, being part of the, the content is so much more fun, right? Mm. Um, and I feel like, um, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if you remember way back when podcasts started, like Adam Curry, uh, the original, you know, like when he did his original show. Oh yeah. Well, um, it was like Collins too, right? It was another Colin, like the. Yeah. Like, well, he had some like guests, but it was very hard to do. But I feel like what Ryan Carson is doing, like even his voice kind of brings me back to like Adam Curry days, feels a little bit like what Adam Curry was trying to do, but it has that dynamic of like bringing people in, taking questions, a little bit of the unknown. Right. Um, and I feel like that's a relationship building tool coupled with a content creation tool. Right which is a very powerful construct like for brands and everyone to sort of adopt more and more of, right? So I, I, I do think like this live hybrid thing or live plus is like a really powerful dynamic, right? And to me, the, the thing that I think we need to fix still in that ecosystem is ultimately we can't be live only, right? Because um, live only, I think, uh, has has like a lot of bias to it. And I think that that works against you from like being a more inclusive and accessible community, right? Um, which leads to the second trend that I think is a big one. I, it's hard to quantify, I think, still yet, right? So, you know, I think like if you look at, um, you know, like community as a business uh, platform, right? I think like we're still at the very earliest days of this, you know, Lolita Taub loves to lead the charge around like um, this idea of like community-led growth, right? right? And, and I feel like that's like harnessing these things that we are not, that I think is easy to maybe look over. Like if you're a large company, you actually understand the cost centers better, right? Like, but like uh, consumer research, market research, customer development, prototyping, testing, those things are all really expensive processes that you tend to run out right? In labs or in groups, et cetera, right? And so if you're a large company, community offers you this opportunity to have like a very lightweight path to sort of like enabling and fostering that. Now there's still like IP questions and a bunch of other things that sort of are, are exist in that arena, right? I think where it's harder for community to sort of grab hold is, but it needs to, is like the smaller side, like creators like us, um, you know, and, and folks like that, where like, what is a community worth to us, let's say though, right? Like right. it was just a very different value prop, right? Like we're not, I mean, I have a product, so fine. Like I could test a product, I guess at least I'm right. And, and you have a show. And so technically that's a product, right? Like, um, but I guess like, you know, it's harder to manifest, like there's always this, like these stories about the thousand true fans and then there's the hundred true fans, et cetera. But how do you go from a bunch of people in a community to those things there aren't clear ladders, right? Like yet for, for how to do that. Right. And I think there's, there's examples, but they all feel like exceptions, not rules, right? Like, yeah. like what Mr. Beast can do is just not like what me or you can do. Right. Like, and so I, I feel like there's a lot of unpacking left in this arena, not community per se, but more like that community economy or like the economics around community itself. And today we're still see this, 
incredibly understaffed thing. Like, you know, when, when we've been working on our positioning, we, we basically arrived at a simple place. Communities and creators both lack time and resources to actually communicate and market the things that they do. Right. And I'll give you, I'll give you a good example. My wife works at a thousand person unicorn company, right? Billion dollar valuation, hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue, right? You know how many community people are there? Her, one person, right? <laughs> one person for a thousand person company, right? As the primary interface to thousands of customers, right? Wow. And, you know, and then where does the community line item get rolled up? I don't know. Sometimes support, sometimes marketing, right? Like we haven't achieved escape velocity until the community is its own revenue center, right? Like that can be recognized on its own, right? Like, and the community should have its own marketing budget and it should be a business unit and it should be able to produce and yield like other business units do. But we're still very far from, not like super far, but I feel like we're we're missing a big a lot of the connects here, right? Um, for and this we stuff to become, them, and we were missing them web two as well, right? Like web I, two didn't have it either, yeah, right. Yeah. Which is, and I think we blamed a lot of that on social platform <laughs> built it on rented land. Yeah. Um, you know, the uh, maturity of the customer finally getting to a point where they realize their data is of value. But I, it's funny, I think we. We got to a place where it seemed like the opportunity for this to move forward was there. But we also say everything needs to be on chain, add a layer of transparency, embrace decentralization. And all of a sudden, like we were like close. And then we added like a whole bunch of extra steps to the top of the promise. They're also mutually destructive, right? Like, like, because in the current realm, right? Like if I made more of my data public, then I lose the ability to monetize it. Right. And so because of like the, you know, deficiencies in the current ecosystem, I think that that's the thing. Now, I, do you, I don't know if you remember, like, uh, we're friends with Doc Searles, like in the, in the, oh, yeah. in the way. So you remember Doc used to talk about VRM, which was like vendor relationship marketing. And I actually think VRM is the template for like all of this. You should own your own data stuff. Right. Hmm. Because what the premise of VRM was like, you own your data and then the, you, the vendors come to you to access it and leverage it and, and, and get generate like, you know, in, uh, like revenue and profits from it. Right. But we don't have that. Th- if I was looking at another big opportunity area, I think this is another one, which is who's putting the nozzle on the fire hose. That is my data. Right. Because yeah. no one is doing that. Right. Like it's just sort of like, again, gone back to, it may seem like, Oh, we uh, deplatformed it, but no, what ends up happening is we open sourced all of it. And basically now it's still going to be the folks with that are the, the wealthiest or the most connected that are still going to yield the biggest advantage of it. And they will just grow new buildings on top of our heads. <clears throat> Which is technically what like you're seeing in like the Dow space a little bit right now, what we're seeing, like, you know, it's funny. I was on a call earlier today. We were talking about like token gating some offline event experiences. Right. And the event was like, dude, we love token gating but we have a contract with Ticketmaster for four more years. So like the right. tickets got to sell, sold through there so you can do coupons. And then it came back to like, well, how do we even get my coupons to a bunch of wallets that I don't even have addresses to? And I mean, how many, how many NFTs show up in our wallet that we don't yep. know for weeks, sometimes months that are, that are, are dropped to us. So, I mean, I do think that is like an interesting problem. I'm, I'm curious, like your take on, you know, there are projects right now that many of us hold that we are, we believe in. What are, what are some of the things that I think that like you would recommend 
for for existing projects that are that are not going anywhere. They were not rug pulls, but they're also not like thriving per se, right? They're trying to figure out yeah. what this matters. How do you look at like the moving parts that they should start to like look at to like own? I mean, I know one of them has to be direct communication to your customers. Sure. It might just be email. It might end up being the, I guess, the the de facto there. But like, yeah. what are some of those other things that like existing? Because I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, one of my soapboxes that I now know will be for the year will be the re reboarding of people, which I don't even like the yeah. term. But like, how many people did we bring on to rally that that was their first touch point that they kind of like left because they were like, eh, really wasn't any yeah. of value, Brian. And now we have to reboard them. That's a big that's a big problem for a lot of these like communities and a lot of these projects to kind of solve right now. I think so. I agree with that. Yeah. And I, I so I think um, you know, if I was it, you know, it's like this is like a reboot for uh, you know, like uh, you know, like when a, when you have a buyout or something, right? And they're like, We're gonna fix all the problems, right? So I yep. think the the most important first step is that postmortem, right? It's really what did we do wrong and what did we do right? Right? right. Who's still here? Why are they still here? Right. Um, and then the next step, I think, is to then. So I think like, you know, like leveraging some of these strategies around like product, like, you know, community like growth, et cetera. You got to decide the model that is the right model for you, because I feel like before everyone just assumed the open model was the right model. Right. Yeah. And I think what we really knew or what we saw was the people who outperformed tended to actually be small teams, executive led like um, community, a community adjacency to the process, but not like rulers of the process. Process, right? Um, and you know, this is like what A16Z kind of advocated was that you start with a core team and then you sort of decentralize little by little over time, right? So I think like if you're building a community led product where such that the members are the ones suggesting those items, then create and design clear processes for the community to be participants, right? Also, as part of that create ways for them to be rewarded for that participation and recognized for their participation, right? Create ladders and methods for like elevating the right people uh, and building the army to actually do it. You have to deal with recruitment, communication, et cetera, right? If you're doing a product-led thing, right? Like, like say like with Zealous, we're not a community-led product per se, right? Like members suggest ideas. However, we let the, we're still the product team, right? Mm. We still are prioritizing the things because we hear from dozens of people, but we know we have to make a business that lasts with us like running it, right? Like at least until it can be self-sufficient. So if you're going to be a product-led company, maybe it's about like finding and creating an open roadmap, taking feedback and input, and then prioritizing based on, you know, not exclusively with that data, but doing that, right? Now, I, I've always loved this. Clubhouse started this idea and I, we use it now at Zealous even, but that community town hall, like I see so many projects where they don't talk to their members at all, ever, right? There are no town halls. There are no Twitter spaces. You remember there was the whole thing with doodles, right? Like it went like 90 days without saying one thing, right? Like no, Without even a Twitter post. That wasn't right, even, not even a Twitter post. <laughs> they haven't even talked at people in yeah, 90 days. Right? So, so I think like, you know, you have to commit to communication, right? Like I think like, you know, um, it's okay to over-communicate. It's certainly way worse to under-communicate. And like, you know, even like the core values I tell my team, it's like communication is number one right? Get that right. Like I'd rather you communicate than not communicate because what, when the second part is accountability and the third part's responsibility, right? And you have to have these three things, right? Yep. It's a car. It doesn't drive without it, right? And so you've got to come up, come clean on all those pieces, 
right? If you made some promises and you can't do them anymore, be honest, right? Say, hey, we never made a game before. I don't know. I, we had no idea it was this complicated. We had no idea it was expensive, right? Um, we had no idea the market was going to tank. So if you run out of money, you need to be clear about that, right? If you change your team up and you, you know, and, and people were used to seeing that person there, you have to communicate that, right? Like it's, it's all mostly communication, right? Like, and then ultimately I believe like product market fit is really what like a, just this concept that all of web three still needs to get used to, right? Like before the, the, the product market fit was like, if it could yield dollars, you had fit, right? Like if there would be hype, you would have fit, but now you have to figure out, no, like how do I create real value? Right. I'll give you a different example, totally not related to the space. Right. I always thought this was like a weird thing, but like habitat for humanity, right? Like I donate money to them And I always said, I was like, why don't you idiots just email me after the house is done to let me know I made something, I helped make something because it is the number one thing to get me to do it again, right? And that's why that feedback loop is just so powerful, right? Like you, you, you have some of our money, you have some of our attention, you, you use it, you produce something new or interesting share the progress. Nobody needs it to be done. But when there's no progress updates, even no status updates, no like visibility into what's going on, people become distrustful. The lack of communication brews, you know, frustration, it brews like angst, it brews all kinds of bad negative things that you could just easily undo by saying what's going on. Yeah, I think people too often assume everyone wants their feedback to be taken everyone wants to, to just know their feedback was heard. Like it's, it's exactly really, like such a different narrative, right? Like it's such we, a totally different narrative. Yeah. Right. And, and I think sometimes we like kind of shift, you know, different ways that way, you know, something kind of thought of here, of course we preach, do your own damn research here on the podcast. And I think that's, you know, never been more important uh, today, you know, with, with the amount of voices and things that are happening, but like based on all this change, a lot of what we just talked about in this episode, are you one that's betting on the Kevin Rose Moonbirds of the world or the Yuga Labs of the world, right? Like in a weird way, Yuga Lab represents born on web three, you know, yes, the unicorn, but in many ways, Moonbirds could technically be the web two to web three unicorn that launched a membership at a crazy high price at exactly the right time. Yeah. You know, Kevin Rose has the track record and the, and the you know, experience that we all know. The Yuga team brought in a CEO, a new new CEO who's from Blizzard previously at Google, who happens to be a lawyer. But the foundation of that company is born on Web3, delivering Web3 value, whatever we could quote unquote put Web3 value. What what are you looking at as because like in a weird way, a year ago we were talking which blockchain, when you were putting out your derivative project, how much Discord did you know? But now it's no longer really which blockchain. It's now no longer, you know, how good are you at Discord? It's now no longer can you sell a second 10,000K piece? It's a lot of these business things. Is the Moonbirds Kevin Rose solution end up being the the torch that we're going to end up following compared to what Yuga kind of paved in this space? What's your take on that? I So number one, I think there's room for both, Right. Uh, because I think I like there are amazing knowing it was going to be hard for you to. Yeah. There, 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 but if I had to pick one, I would vote that it, we move. I believe that I was on call today. I, I literally said the same thing, but you know, basically I think like, 
you know, like if I was to be crass, you know, the blockchain is like a crappy database coupled with a crappy payment model. Right. Um, and I don't need those technologies per se to do the, those behaviors in anything else. Right. Like I can store data very easily and I can run transactions very easily. Right. Now there, there benefit, there's some perks to it in some very nuanced cases. So I don't mean that it's like a useless technology. To me, the interesting part about Web3 is the cultural side, right? It's all the things we've actually been talking about, right? It's about, you know, about openness and permissionlessness, and it's about transparency, and it's about composability. And I think that those new things are really interesting product vectors that will be adopted by more and more traditional organizations, right? So I think this concept of like Web 2.5 is a far more interesting space, right? Because it has Web3 in it, but it also doesn't forget like what it takes to build like and scale and grow something, right? It, it comes with a bunch of the fundamentals, but it also like can take advantage of the new technology, right? Like there's that Arthur C. Clarke quote, right? Uh, quote, right? It's like any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. That's yeah. what we should be recreating for the rest of the world, right? Not yeah. like whacking them with signatures and byte code and authorizations and all these other things. None of those things are important relative to the outcomes, right? And a lot of times if if we get focus if we focus on the web3 cultural side, we focus on the outcomes. The the cultural side are the outcomes. The technology is, to me, not like the critical piece about it, right? Like with the, anything that we do on a blockchain could technically be done in a distributed database or localized database or right? like, I mean, every data store is already distributed, right? Like you could run everything peer to peer if you wanted to, right? Like there's a ways to do lots of these things where there isn't a centralized owner. However, that centralized operator owner offers some benefits, right? Like for example, reset your password and like other things like that, 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 you know, that humans actually like, right? Like um, now where we don't have to seed way is letting them aggregate all our data where we don't have to seed way is letting them sell our data without our permission. Like we can fight to make those parts new in the way that we want them to be. But I think where the, the story gets lost today in web three is oftentimes we're focused on the technology too much, Right. And not the outcomes we're trying to create right now. We've succeeded in showing creators and artists a new pathway to generate revenue. But guess what? That that is getting stacked with all of the traditional ways they still made money, right? Yep. And now, when the market's in the like at the lowest parts of the lows, right? That little piece of the stack is nonsense compared to like I'm just going to go back to doing my Patreon. Right. Like, or I'm going to go back to my OnlyFans or I'm going to go back to my YouTube videos because, you know, like at least that's a little more predictable. Right. Like it doesn't vary with like, you know, like people's whims like so much. Right. right. Um, and so I think that's where we, we're going to see this, where we're going to continue to see in this year is a 2.5 mindset open up, I think, a lead on pure play web three things because pure play web three things are just down because we're not moving sufficiently fast. The markets are poor, right? Like uh, the crypto money in general tends to, for a lot of people, lives in a, a you know discretionary budget, right? Uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So, um, you know, so I think like I think this is going to be a year where Web two adopts more of the Web three pieces, um, but I don't think they go they go away per se. I think Yuga's going to do a great thing. But if you look at what Yuga's doing, they're doing what Web two companies do. They're they, they're building a game. 
The game has a currency. Where the currency stored, I mean, does it actually matter? Like, if you started playing the Yuga game and you didn't know Yuga was like, uh, you know, a blockchain thing or a Web3 thing, like, wouldn't you just play the game and be like, cool, I have 100 coins, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, so Yeah, you, you, you wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't even realize it until you tried to exchange it or own it or exit the game, right? That's Which right. Is a, a whole nother premise, right? Because people see the most value in the technology that you're building upon when they're leaving your ecosystem. Right? Like, like, exactly. Well, and also, by the way, it, it requires there be liquidity though, right? So that was the, this is the new problem, right? Like, so, so sure, that's true that, you know, like, you know, like, oh, uh, you could, you can buy my subscription, but you could also still sell it. I'm like, well, there has to be someone who wants it, right? Like, yeah. The fact I can sell it is a lot different than someone wants to buy what I, you know, like the fact that selling it is like, there's a marketplace, right? I think. Right. Right. So when we pre-sell too much of that, when we put, when we add that into the value prop up front, well then you're, you know, I think like, you know, you got to sell a thing for what it's worth, not for what it's going to be worth. Right. Like, and so that we just have to get to this thing, like I'll reset this mindset of it. Your bag based on floor price alone is such a weird, because like, even if that's the floor price, if there you can't get most of it. Week, I don't give a crap what the floor price is. Tell me what someone's willing to buy something right now, and the yeah. data is showing us right. And then, yeah. and the flip side of this, and I, you know, kind of wrap this episode in the in the in the bow of, you know, I, I look at Rally and what we have with our coin as, you know, we in many ways we jumped into Web three yet bit our own hand in the principle that we all preach, which is you know, don't build it on rented land if you don't know what's what's underneath it and how that's going to work. And we've seen with this disruption, right, the blockchains have kind of even kind of worked themselves out, I believe, like a little bit right now. Um, we're hearing a lot less like discussion of like which versus which, where it's like, hey, we're focusing where attention is right now. But then we had Elon come into Twitter. We've had Discord kind of be exposed to be like, we loved Discord because we were running so fast we didn't even take time to realize how much we hated it. And then we, we took time, how much we hated it. We're like, Oh my God, this is not where I want to spend my days. And yeah. those, both of those disruptions definitely were you know impacted and were, you know, kind of part of the zealous ecosphere, right? Like zealous yeah. with, you know, Twitter spaces, clubhouse, discord. How have you looked at this and said, okay, what do we need to build or what do we need to work with as we adapt? Because I think, how zealous is adapting in many ways is what many products and services are also going to have to adapt in this web three way. So how have you done that with kind of the, the changes and the uncertainty uh, around yeah. a lot of the, the inputs that, you know, zealous is kind of built upon? Phew, great question, I guess. And, uh, you know, I, I guess it's a good summary of some of the things we learned last year, ultimately. Right. And things I knew in the past, but I guess like, you know, you, trust me, no matter how much you learn or, you mistakes always come dressed different the second time, right? Yes, <laughs> so, um, but I, you know, for example, I'll give you like we were talking about, um, you know, building other people's platforms, right? Zealous was never a Twitter only platform, right? Like, however, we quickly developed a reputation of being like a Twitter only platform, right? And I think like if you're going to build on someone else's platform, you have to always be aware that there's a chance. Not that it goes away even, right? Just that their their business metrics may change, right? Uh, or what they need to do to be successful and change. And I think ultimately that's what happened to Rally. It wasn't like Rally like actually folded. It just said like, hey, the way we, you know, so I think like the earlier you are in the life of a thing, like the more risk there is, right? Like, right. and that's the arrow. We don't want to take the arrows in the right? back. 
There's more game there too. That's why we. That's play. right. There's always more reward too, right? So I think like you know one lesson was you know like for example when 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 Twitter recently took the captions off, right? Like, and we'd offered all this free transcription by leveraging the captions. We had to go build an alternative, but also in the process we had to add a business model to the alternative, right? Like because we always knew we couldn't offer free transcription. It's just like not it's not a sustainable thing, right? Um, like unless we want to raise like a crap load of money, but then we wouldn't be building a business. We'd just be spending VCs money. Right. right. Um, so, you know, I think like you have to be flexible. You have to understand the risk of the plat- building on a platform, which we always were aware of. Right. I think you also have to understand this. And the most important lesson ultimately is you have to understand why people need the thing to begin with. Right. Um, because like, I think like if you, if you go by what you want from it versus what they need, you end up in two likely different places, right? I won't say that they're, you know, diametrically opposed, right? But often they are, right? <laughs> like, um, so I think, you know, you got to figure out like, why does like, you know, like uh, this is classic product market fit kind of things, right? Like, but, you know, you ultimately like do a bunch of experiments, you, you put 10 things out, you figure out what thing is getting the most heat, and then you start to see what they want, but the question that doesn't tell you why they want it, right? Right. You have to talk to people, right? Like, so I think like if you're building these products and you think because you have a community, you know what they want, no, you know what they react to what you say, right? But you've likely never asked them what they want, right? Like you've already parceled it, filtered it down, like limited to some way, right? Um, or ignored other things, et cetera. And so like, there's a very different question to ask an open-ended question and say like, hey, what do you need? Or why do you love this? Or why do you use it? Or how do you use it? And learning from that, then sort of like prescribing it like with leading questions and sort of trying to get there, right? And so I think like most projects would benefit from like much like us, like in our positioning now, like we redefine Zealous. We used to, I used to use like Spotify for conversations. Now I basically say we're a content marketing platform for communities and creators, right? Because that's what we learned was the thing that was the most successful was audiograms. And why? Because people wanted to share and market the moments that were really interesting and exciting from what they were creating already, right? right. And that's how we got to that point of view. But that's also us saying, what did you want it for? Now, you may not use the word content marketing because like maybe that's not in your vocabulary yet. But what we saw was that was what you're doing, right? Like you're actually marketing your content, right? And you don't care about the backup because you don't use it. And you don't care about the transcript because you don't read it, right? Like what you care about is like, can I get this video so I can share it on Twitter, right? Like, or can I share something in Discord? Or can I be on YouTube now because I'm in a space? That was what you cared about. That was what we found. But that came from looking at what you, why you wanted the things we had and what you were using more so than like what we wanted, because we had lots of other designs and thoughts about where it would go or what it would be. And I I think they can still come to fruition, but you got to prioritize what the customer needs more than what you want it to be. Right. That's how true businesses work. Right. Like, because they're beholden to the customer and not like their whims. Right. Um, If you're fabulously rich and you have all the money in the world and you can spend it on whatever you want, go ahead, go nuts, build anything you want. It doesn't matter if one person uses it or only you're the user. But if you're trying to build a business that's going to be around for 15 years, right, then you do that by enjoining customers, like making them happy, continuing to deliver value by listening and learning what they need next and delivering the next brick, the next brick, the next brick. And honestly, I think the beauty of that is like, I don't think you get to that place 
if you weren't building on rented land for part of it to begin with, right? Because that's where that customer was. That's where that conversation was living. And I think for a lot of people that are listening to this, right? A lot of people look at a project that maybe didn't deliver originally or didn't hit the mark that it might have as a failure. But truthfully, if they are good at kind of going back, reverse engineering what works, asking those that are still there that still believe, like the amount of projects that I look in my bag that I know I'm not selling, right? That I love, <laughs> like for, for whatever reasons, I'm going to guess zero. I, I can't even think of one that came to me and said, Brian, why do you love us? Right. Like, no, no, it, it never happens. It right, never like, happens. Right. And we like people like to be like, oh, I'm, I'm data driven. Like we got the most votes on this. We got the most likes on that. Like this is at the most comments. Right. And I'm like, just get pull that person aside and talk to them. Right. Like and yeah. I guarantee you, you will learn so much more. You, you know, specifically, like I throw these little things out constantly, like to you or to our little group. And I'm just like, hey, what do you guys think of this? And I just want to hear what comes back, right? Like, I, yep. it doesn't matter the thing I put in there. It's really like testing an idea, right? Like, and it, that's what I think is missing a lot from this. And, and by the way, I, I also want to make it clear for the, the the investor holder people. Startups fail like 98% of the time, right? So so if your Web3 NFT project failed, it's pretty normative in the ecosystem of like trying to do something, anything new, right? Like most things are going to fail. The question is how do they fail, right? Do they fail by ignoring everybody and rugging, right? Like do they fail by stealing from you? Did they fail because they never had any intention of servicing it? Or do they fail by saying, how can we make whole what we started trying to do? And those are the people you should be double clicking on and investing in. And by the way, I'll tell you now, those are the people who are talking to their members that are putting content out, that are actively communicating right across multiple channels to make sure that people hear them and understand what they're saying. And they're the ones that are going to DM you and ask you for your thoughts and your help. Right. If you're not seeing that from a project, like I think you can definitely say it's probably going nowhere. Right. Because every project we know of, like I can't think of one example of a project that's actually alive, sustainable and growing. Right that doesn't do those things. Yep. And let's face it, those things are also the hard things. They take a lot of time, take a lot of individual effort. And they you don't can't skip. Outsource. You can't yeah. skip, you can't assume, right? Like like the truthful part of this is, this is where really the rubber meets the road in all of those cases where, you know, how much do you believe? How much do you care? And how much are you willing to put the work in? And, you know, and I always appreciate, you know, gee, we, we go back and forth and I'll say like, I love this idea. And I'm like, where's he going with that idea? And I'm like, it wasn't like, it wasn't like aligned with what I was using it for. And, yeah. and I've been very blessed. Like I love our, our, our back and forth, our, our take. And, and for me, like, I think even as a content creator, right? Like I, I will say like podcasting is much like web three in many ways. Web three, we have a wallet that we can't really access to yeah. podcasting. I have a listener, <laughs> Yeah, like, you have an audience you can't access, right? Can't access to, right? Like, I can't even, I can't even push notification to you. I don't, I don't know, like, I don't know. Exactly, know very, very similar. Yeah, yeah very, which is like, why we're focused on that use case because we're like, hey, like, you have an audience. It's these like uncaptured audiences, right? Like that, that you should, right? And that's why and, I think well, Web three suffers that problem. Podcasts suffer that problem. Most people on rented social platforms suffer that problem as well. By the way, and I think all of us are all of this is living in like a very intimate 
environment, hence why it fosters community, hence why podcast communities, you know, listeners are are tighter with their uh, with their community. Why Web three? I think that's why Zealous comes in fits nicely, right? Because it is the intimate mediums are the hardest to scale, the hardest to to kind of build that bridge. And a lot of it's because there hasn't been a tool or a tech or a way for us to deliver that, um, you know, in a meaningful way. So yeah. this was fun. I, I loved having you on. Uh, you know, I, I hit you up. I was like, dude, I just need to come on and chat. You and I, you know, we message every single day uh, yeah. via uh, DM, you know, via text uh, every day. And so yeah, this was this was great. Uh, excited for what Zealous has to come uh, in in 2023. You know, transparently, I you know I enjoy being a, a friend and. Uh, advisor with you on that, you know, journey. I definitely recommend people to to check them out. But uh, anything you want to leave people with, uh, Greg, before we get out of here? No, I would say like um, if you're not building something now, I think it's a good time to start. Not in the cliche way, like because like you know you're going to come out successful on the other end. I feel like with all the pressure of the hype gone, like you know being awake all the time, grinding for stuff, etc. Go learn some of the things that you like thought were interesting because when it does return to like its full, you know, height and weight, um, I think it's going to be really interesting again to be able to be involved. And this is the time to put those skills in, to build those skills that you wanted. Build yourself if you can't build something else, right? Like this is a good time for that. Amen to that. I couldn't agree more. Press the damn button, my friends. It's a, it's a beautiful time to do that. I think it's also, we need people that are willing to build right now. Like if you haven't built right now, the problem is we need you. <laughs> this space, this space is not thriving because there are too many people that have been listeners and, and rightfully so there is a lot of work, a lot of things that are going on there. So for everybody listening, uh, as always, we appreciate you. Uh, and until next time, uh, make it a great day, everybody. Cheers. Thank you for listening to NFT 365. If you found this helpful, let us know by leaving a review, like, subscribe, share, and do all of those good things. Join our email list to keep up with all things NFT365. We appreciate you spending a little of your time with us. And as always...